All right, and here we are with another episode of Musings with Matt and Friends, and I have um, Caleb Wurtz, right? That's your. That's how you pronounce it? Wurtz? Yeah. Wurtz, all right. So he is on my podcast today, and it says he's an, he's an actor and a musician and all this stuff, so um, I want to give it to him and tell us, just tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Yes. Grew up together there, and um, I went to film school right after that, and kind of discovered that I'm more than just a filmmaker, and that I'm an artist all around, and so now I've got my hand in a lot of different things, like you mentioned, um, and so I've written eight books. How many? Eight. Holy cow, man. Yeah, four books of poetry, and then uh, four novels. That's awesome, man. I didn't realize you've written eight books. That is, that's awesome. So what were, what were the books called? And like, uh, what were they about? Well, I did, uh, the four books of poetry and then right up to like rap beats. Mm-hmm. So essentially I was rapping then. It was prose poetry, uh, Midnight Moments, Reinventing Love, uh, Dedication, True, True Ambitions. I was a big Tupac fan, so I like to use the words to, uh, kind of be creative tell my story um, and then when I, I wrote my fifth book was my first novel and I did that about living on the road mm-hmm. with my cat when I was homeless I was 21 I was living in Claremont oh after God. film school for about eight months and uh, a lot happened I was growing weed mm-hmm. uh, I was living with this girl who was estranged from her husband at their house and then um, I went out to California right around after Thanksgiving and my aunt kicked me out of her house and so i was homeless homeless yeah and i stole a bike from a homeless shelter and i bicycled four thousand miles with my cat and when i got done i landed in corvallis oregon um kind of a part of the same community i'm a part of now Mm -hmm. Um, but i wrote a book about a year after i landed on the road after i got off the road because i I knew it was such an exciting story Mm -hmm. and so now the new one is like that one because I just did a similar trip crossing the country during the pandemic with my cat. Mm-hmm. And then there, there were two in the middle there. One was a novella, uh, and then one was um, a sequel to the first book. Fog mm-hmm. on Fire was the fifth book, which was about living on the road. And then I did a novella um, after that. And then I did a sequel to the Fog on Fire. And now this new one's called Westerly, and I have it made it available for pre-orders yet or anything like that mm-hmm. but still writing it that's incredible man so you've been through i bet you've seen some stuff on the road yeah yeah oh yeah oh uh, yeah let's uh, well let me let me dive into first let me talk to the i mean I, i'm sure being homeless that was that was hard i'm sure and i i know in the stuff that i do like that's one of the things i fight for is like house housing for all because i feel like people at the very least should be able to have a house and 
um, a place to sleep at night and food to eat, you know? Um, I think that, that yeah. should be, a, like, a thing that everybody has. But um, tell me what it, what it was like, you know, being homeless and not knowing um, what, you know, how you're going to get by and where you're going to be. Like, can you just elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, it's just as scary as everybody thinks, and it was scary for me when you first started doing it and i was so just for hold on just for perspective you're how old right now i'm 29 so you're 29 i knew you were older than me i just wasn't sure how like how much so i'm i'm 20 i'll be 27 into january so um so um so you were homeless when you were 21 yeah and that was in claremont that was in claremont for one night and then i moved in with my my dad and my stepmom, but I had a weed review series online that I did in film school. <laughs> Got pretty popular, but I couldn't live with them if I had that online. Right. So I said, well, let, let me fly out to California. I was, I was actually going to walk to California. My dad bought me a plane ticket, and I stayed with a friend for a month in South Central. And there was Section 8 housing, so I had to leave that. And then I mm-hmm. moved in with my aunt just north of LA and I think I think I just reminded her too much about my mom and she was kind of fed up with I guess my attitude mm-hmm. the way that I said things and she kicked me out um, I tried going back it was kind of like a back and forth for a little bit but yeah. eventually I got to a point where I was sleeping outside on a riverbank and was just covering myself up in clothes that I had oh and sleeping on a skateboard I was a mess about it I didn't know how to do it Yeah, and I went to a homeless shelter. I went to a homeless shelter the next day, and met a guy named Stone with a nice bomber jacket on. And I just complimented his jacket because I just wanted to connect with somebody. Yeah. And he told me about how he had been bicycling from New York to Alabama to SoCal where we were. And I've never been one to just like hunker down into town and like be poor. And right. I thought, no shit, dude, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a bike adventure. I'm gonna do something like that. So I stole a bike from the homeless shelter, and then took off with him for a hundred days north to southern Oregon before he mysteriously left me. But he taught me how to live on the road mm-hmm. while I was with him. So once I got a basic idea of how to travel and mm-hmm. like find a spot to camp, like well mm-hmm. before dark, and making sure I gave myself some comfort time to listen to the radio, to drink a beer, and do whatever I wanted. Yeah, man. Hope. But then get back on the road the next day and just keep it moving. Like, you you make him you you ever seen the movie or the read the book uh, Into the Wild? I have. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 <laughs> what you're making me think of right now. <laughs> when I was in film school, my my friend Tia she told me about that book, and that is actually what sparked my idea, like my passion to want to do something like that. Really? So it's funny you mentioned that book. Yeah, yeah. because um, listening to your story a little bit, I'm just like, he sounds like Alexander Supertramp. And, and into the <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, you're on a bike. You went from yeah. New Hampshire to California, right? And yeah. you bike from New Hampshire to California. How long did that take you? You said that was a that was a, that was a flight. So that was, was oh yeah, you flew, you flew. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then it was from Southern California to Southern Oregon. Which is still a long time. My... Yeah, well, that was just the start of it because I only rescued my two-month-old calico then and we put her on my shoulder and we bicycled to Boise, Spokane, Seattle, 
and like I had different things pushing me at different directions. So first it was east toward Idaho, thinking I'd go back to New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and then it was north toward Washington because weed was legal. Right. And then it was west to the beach because I thought my cat would enjoy having a big litter box in the sand. Mm-hmm. And so I I had no idea where I was going. I was letting the wind and letting God lead me. Mm-hmm. And then when I. Uh, when that first bit ended, that first trip ended, I got a ride. I was hitchhiking from San Francisco, and I got a ride up to uh, the coast of Oregon, and then I got another ride into Corvallis, where Oregon State University is. And my first night there, it was, I had 75 cents in my pocket, and I was just looking for some sour candy. And this guy from the church um, that I'm still a part of now, mm-hmm. he saw my cat and then invited me to go to church. And then I just took the opportunity, stole the opportunity to settle down into community and like start working. So I worked mm-hmm. for five years for a good job. I plugged into community. Mm-hmm. But that was that was only to set up what would be this trip and what would happen then. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your music. My music, yeah, I love rapping. Yeah, I always I love telling stories and words. But then I ran out of beats and people aren't making beats for free and licensing isn't free. So I started making my own beats. Yep. And so I started engineering my own songs, producing my own tracks. Mm-hmm. And then I got creative with it. I said, I'm going to give myself two years, go hard, make, make, it, make it count. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, didn't, it didn't take off to what I thought it would, but that wasn't the point. Right. I learned my own, my own sound. It was very good therapeutic for me too well I, I can kind of because one of the reasons I started a podcast was because because kind of like I just got sick of like posting what I wanted what I felt on Facebook all the time so I kind of yeah. was like I was kind of was like I need a better way to get my my opinions and my and my views and stuff out there so I was like well I should start a podcast because that way people can listen to it if they have to and you know that way yeah. if they do if they don't want to then you know what they don't have to so, um, yeah. that's kind of why it, it, you know, cause social media can be really toxic and it's getting worse as far as I'm concerned. And you do a fantastic job. Like it's really refreshing listening to you, your podcast. So just Thank keep you. it up, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What, what ones have you listened to? What, what, what ones have you, uh, the, the most recent ones. So I didn't go back. I wanted to kind of see where you were right now. Yeah. Miss Cahill. And then when you were talking to um, the autism worker, I, I listened to it in bits. So yeah. I didn't get through yeah. the whole amount. I kind of just wanted to get a feel for it mm-hmm. before I just do it. Do a kind of clean slate with you. Yeah. Yeah, because that's... Well, I mean, I, that's what I'm going to school for now. I work at Stevens, and I'm a special educator there, and uh, which is a crazy time. And then I, um, I'm coaching football there too. And then I'm in school for social services. I almost got my associates done and then I'll have my, do my bachelor's and everybody tells me I should just go get my master's in social work. So I'll probably end up just doing that. And, um, yeah. So, so I mean, it's kind of crazy because if you would have asked me like 10 years ago, like you're gonna be a special education teacher. I would have told you, but like you're fucking crazy. What are you talking? What are you talking? I'm not gonna be a teacher. And then it just kind of, you know, I went to, I worked in a factory for a few years, kind of jumped around from job to job, and it was just kind of led me back, yeah. you know, having some, because you know, working in a working in a factory is not a fun job, and it's not a, 
you know, you, you, unfortunately, I, I, I met a lot of really great people, but you come in touch with a lot of toxic people. Um, so it becomes hard on your emotional self and I didn't want to make salad dressing my entire life. I got to do something meaningful. So I, so I ended up going to, going back to school and got the job at the high school cause I was already coaching. Um, you know, sports is something that I've always been big into and, um, yeah. And then, you know, I got into, I've gotten into the, the political stuff. I campaigned for Bernie Sanders last two elections, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, and if you listen to my podcast, I tell you why, you know, I'm a big advocate for like with income and wealth inequality because I see the effects from that. You know, I see the effects from that and the kids that I work with, you know, um, they come from really family, families that come from low income homes, um, end up with more trauma. They end up with more behavioral issues and it just trickles. And then like healthcare for all, you know, something I'm really passionate about. I think, you know, the fact that you can't go to the doctor and get healthcare, you know, if you need it is kind of outrageous. And, um, and obviously the, uh, the, um, the legal weed stuff, that's something that you and I would also agree on. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, some of my favorite strains now are those ones that I used to smoke first over there in New Hampshire, like Northern Lights and AK-47. So, you guys doing um, sports? You guys are in person at school right now? Well, we were, we did have a football season, which was, it was one, it was the craziest football season that I've ever been through, you know, we... We basically we coaches and stuff wore more masks on the sidelines, and if you weren't on the in the game, you had to wear a mask. And um, it, and right now we just were remote for um a week because we had like two COVID cases at the school, but we're going back tomorrow, so we'll see how long that lasts. It's really, you know, it, it's scary because you know it's like it's like restaurants and bars are like the first hottest transmitter and then it's schools so it's 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 hard but at the same time you know it's so valuable you know kids can't just not get an education and you know remote learning you know honestly kind of sucks so it yeah yeah, it's it's hard so you went you went to film school too yeah, I did. And so, have you have you have you directed any films, or like, can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah, I wrote a film um, when I first got into film school two months in called Frontman, and it's available in the Caleb Show playlist on my YouTube. I'm, I'm working on my website right now just to direct people. It's going to be opalheights.com, and you'll be able to find everything about me, assuming mm-hmm. you know, when you drop this episode. Mm-hmm. But film has always been my like passion since I was nine years old going to high school I worked on it but then after high school I had a chance to go work for a mentor doing film stuff Mm -hmm. but it was not satisfying and there was not a lot of work so I was encouraged to kind of take that one chance to get you know that one loan you get when you go to college and I took that one instead of going to film school Mm -hmm. and I wasn't wise enough to see it all the way through like I mentioned, the weed review show, I just started getting very bored in class. And instead of following somebody else's what they want me to do, I know I was like, no, I want to, I know what I want to make. I'm going to go home and I'm going to make it. And it got really impressive. But the, the 
the project I want to highlight from that time was when I first got into film school. Two months in, I had a producer friend, Tia, who I lived with in Nashville while I was crossing the country, country recently. It was the first time we saw each other in 10 years since film school. Mm-hmm. But we were very close. We spent a lot of time together. And the film um, was, I made it because I had been watching a lot of uh, Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino. And mm-hmm. I loved the character and um, script, like dialogue driven narrative. So I wrote like, so I wrote a, I wrote a piece. It was a short film, and and I wanted to tell the story of what would happen to kind of the most innocent part of like a gang raid. Like mm-hmm. if a gang was going to take over and rob a bank, they send somebody in there to get the job to understand the security, and then the gang will be the ones who robbed from it but somebody wasn't getting paid kind of further down the line in the game so they they all just- my podcast is about do you do you uh have anything like um like psychology wise or anything like that that you would like to talk about yeah i mean you mentioned it i i think i just i'm an advocate now for um like mental health like as the yes. rest of the world is yeah um i've been like dude i've I've cried so much like in mm-hmm. therapy and I've had a really great therapist in my life, but it's, it's rough, man, just to get to a point where you can feel safe enough to like admit how you're feeling and feel what you're feeling mm-hmm. and be safe enough to kind of get through that and, and face it. I don't think a lot of what I see, especially online or a lot of people like, um, just like, like just trying to come like make it look like that they have their stuff together or really cling to yeah. maybe even more social issues like you know I'm left like I'm just against right yeah yeah, yeah. right how can the left and there's a lot of people in the world who like who aren't comfortable being vulnerable yeah and feeling safe being vulnerable yeah I don't want to waste my life. Like, yeah. No. Um, so I think um, we have a mental health crisis, I think, in America. I think it's a, we have a mental health crisis. We have a lot of people who are really depressed and, they're, and they turn to, like, hard drugs and, and um, you know, other destructive behaviors like domestic violence. And um, so we've and we've gotten to a point with mental health where it's uh, it's still like we're getting better but it's still stigmatized like it's yeah. still not like viewed the same as like if you broke like I, I use this example a lot if you break your arm and you go you go to the hospital like that day but if you're like you tell somebody that you're depressed um you know they might say oh well, we'll have a therapist ready for you in 10 weeks you know that's yeah. like it's it's not the like but but I'm depressed. Like that's that's that should be viewed. That it's it's like having a broken brain and not like instead of a broken arm, you know what I right. and and we don't address it in the same way. That's why I'm for like um a, a Medicare for all system, which is you know, healthcare is a human right. Um, you know it gets the insurance companies out of your pockets and um and it, it and prioritizing mental health care as well because mental health care should be it's health care should be viewed as the same as um 
breaking your arm or a physical or a physical health. Mental health is health. Right. So um, it's it, it's just a restructure of priorities almost. And it takes I think it takes time. It takes time for any types of cultural changes to happen because it's just the way it works. It, it works slowly and we're getting there. But the problem is, is that how many people are going to be until we do get where we need to be, how many people are going to be suffered by this? How many people are going to die of drug overdose? How many people are going to have domestic violence issues? How many people are going to kill them, be suicidal because they don't get the help when they need it? So that's the issue. Right. <laughs> and and in, in we, I, I'm glad you mentioned the whole left-right thing because we we put everything into a spectrum and we say, well, this issue, you're, you're left and you're right. Instead of actually looking at the issues and looking for solutions to solve problems, mm-hmm. instead of that, you know, right. everything's just politicized, which is yeah. a failure of a lot of things. And, and even like, like we were just having a, a racial conversation at a church during a staff meeting and, you know, there was people of color who were, sharing how they feel like the church, specifically our church, has let them down. Mm-hmm. And I took it personally because I helped them move up here to plant this church. I think you can see it behind me, but we yeah, bought that building. We've been up here for four years. Mm-hmm. And I, I took it took it personally, and I just kind of snapped into it because I do this thing now where I say what nobody wants to hear, but everybody's thinking. And if I say it, I want to say it so that it can, so we can kind of pop the bubble and move on instead of living in this, like, kind of like kissing each other's wounds kind of spot. And mm-hmm. so I just like said, like you guys are aware that this is not going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, we can't pressure anybody to try to fix it real quick. Like mm-hmm. we have to get over that playground and get onto the real mission. It's just like the world is full of a lot of people who have seen in politics who are just, who are being kids still and kind of holding on to things because they don't have anything that they really can hold on to. Yeah. And uh, my buddy has been, like, walking with me for a while across the whole trip, like, talking to me on the phone. He's seen my life play out for the last seven years. He's been, like, a very, like, thoughtful, um, I would call him a life coach, but somebody who's just been helping trying to get me to where I need to be. Mm -hmm. And I have a job interview tonight um, to stock shelves, and he would be like, dude, don't get that job. Because he's seen me when I was working a full-time job how miserable I was. But one thing that he always, he always encourages me. And I think you touched on too, like the broken arm, which Kanye's mentioned about sprained ankle, like, you know, having a sprained brain, like you need to take the time and delight yourself. Like mm-hmm. if you need to take self-care. a whole day off and like self care, you become your best self when you're mm-hmm. coming out of a place of like no stress, it's true. Feeling good. I have to remind myself to do it with my work sometimes because um, you're like when you work in social services, you 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 have to be compassionate and understanding all the time, and that's exhausting. It is. I I love my work and I love what I do now, and it, I'm glad I have a career. But it is exhausting and it's compassion fatigue. It's a real. It's a real thing. So if I don't, if I don't give put aside time to just like rest. Or do something that's not intellectually stimulating for a little while. I'll like I'll go crazy. I'll get into a bad mood. I will. I'll get. I, I, or my body will get sick. So I'm forced to like to rest. Um. So yeah. so you have to be able to 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 be able to do that. But you also need 
We also have a state um, where we have people who are constantly at work and working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And I think that has a lot to do with our mental, our mental state as a whole humanity in general, too. Because if you really think about it, I know people pride themselves on working hard, but nobody wants to work that much. Like, nobody right. really wants to work 60, 70, 80 right. hours a week. Um, so, so we need to restructure our economy so that you can work 40 hours a week. You can work 40 hours a week and not – like, that's why I was always for Bernie because, you know, he always – you should be able to work 40 hours a week and not live in poverty. And I think that's a profound yeah. statement. And I, th- I think that's fair. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you should be able to work 40 hours a week and be able to afford a house and food and for your family and leisure time. And, you know, like, it's all got to fit together. Because right. of- I don't want my- I don't want to go through my life and have only, like, a little bit to show for it working for somebody else there's less people in the country now who own their own businesses and you see businesses yep. like pizza hut or all these big boxes get bought up by some international company mm-hmm. and then they just hire people and turn through people and there's not a lot of love and there's not a lot of small businesses that are being that are really successful no and it so sucks I don't wanna, small businesses I don't wanna isn't we have we have bailouts for corporations at the endless but when it comes to a bailout for a small business like forget it <laughs> talk, yeah. talk about yeah. priorities like yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm talking about so I don't I don't want to get into I don't want to I don't want to get into the paycheck to paycheck rhythm again I'd rather, I'd rather fight to find a way to do what I love for a living like travel and do everything exactly what I want to do and work mm-hmm. backwards to get there but you know there's so many people in my life who are like you know like you need to get the job first and then make it work and they may be right but um, that's just it. Just falls into the complacency attitude. I think where there's not much happening, and a lot of frustrated youth, a lot mm-hmm. of um, kind of cynical older people. Yeah, take what they can and run. Well, you know, um, you obviously know if you look on my Facebook for two seconds that I don't like Trump. Obviously, um, and there's yeah. a lot of reasons not to like Trump. But one of the reasons he was president and won the first four years was because of that cynicism, was because of that of that generation of people who felt like that their way of life is going away and they were, they felt left behind and then they saw Donald Trump and they saw him as a you know going going back to like the way it was before and um it's a tough generational culture thing that it's going to be tough even though he's not going to be president anymore um and I'm not like all up and down about Joe Biden being president. Like he's good. He'll do things that I agree with more. Like when it comes to like the Paris climate change and the Paris climate agreement. Like I'm big. Like we should listen to our scientists about climate change. Like you know, and Biden will do that. He'll listen. He'll listen to medical experts during a pandemic. You know, Biden will do that. But like, but like I'm not jumping up and down and saying like, oh my God, he's the savior of the world. No, we're gonna be doing fighting a lot of the same battles that we have been for not much not much is going to change that much i mean so um but i i do want us i do want us as a society to to try to learn from the trump years you know what i mean and what we what we've gone through as a as a people because i think we've been through a lot over the last four years and over that 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 time and it's going to take time to recover from that i think if if we can like i hope we can and i want to but 
you gotta we gotta heal, and I don't know, you know, it's gonna be hard. I think. Yeah, but we have to be aware of us getting older. Like I'm sensitive to like when I see little kids and they're annoying me. That like they're not like a true threat, or you know, it's 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 a it's a great place to have humility. And I think so many of the world's problems can be solved with humility. Yes, and that's like possessing the opposite spirit so it's just good wisdom like if somebody is anxious and coming at you that you can you can have confidence like in christ it's like why i'm kind of the christian kind of definitely leaks into my life but Mm -hmm. you know when when i'm not the one who has to fight that battle i didn't make me i didn't make you Mm it's god's battle if i can just be confident that he'll take care of what he needs to then I can be confident to like p- possess this, uh, the opposite spirit in the face of any of that, and it works mm-hmm. instead of keeping it going. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, religion has become a big stress reliever for you, or a big uh, outlet, right? Yeah. I mean, can you can you my life. can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was that started when I was in middle school. I went to a boarding school in Pennsylvania okay. when I was in middle school. Because my mom didn't have a good chance of raising me as a single mom. Mm-hmm. So she thought, well, this would be a better opportunity. So the guy who made the Hershey candy bar couldn't have kids. So he started a boarding school in 1909. And I went there and I lived with 12 other men for broken homes all in one house. And we had a set of house parents. And every house worked the same way. But not every house parent was walking with God or, or they weren't putting their their money where their mouth is to say. So mm-hmm. this was a man who... Who was, who, who honored God and like loved, at least the idea of God, and I was having a hard time, like being away from home, and I'd cry and you know I'd be emotional and people would make fun of me and this one guy who did like I took his nice pair of shoes and I threw them away like so he would never find him again. But one night I was cleaning, I was mopping the floor, and my house dad came up to me and he was like. Um, come to my office when you're done. And I went in the office, he was on the computer, and then he looked at me, and he was like, God's been showing me what you've been doing. And I grew up Catholic in Claremont, was all that, but yeah. it was the first time that I realized, or thought, considered, God is like who he says he is, and I was hooked. Because then I was like, I really don't know him that well. So I started pursuing the Bible, I started pursuing him, started studying the Bible, my house dad would give me a verse and then pose a question and I'd go to bed that night and mm-hmm. kind of fill it out. But God met me. It says in the Bible that when you like pursue God, God pursues you. And I had a series of dreams that like were only that I knew were coming from him. And um, I was just like a little kid in the candy store. But then when I went to high school, um, I had a different set of house parents and they were more like political. So they were just into favoring the kids who they could get from and they weren't real Christ followers weren't a real good example so I felt like my my clothes had been taken off me and I was this naked Christian in a fleshy world and I, I had to do what I had to do to survive which is like the story of our lives mm. and I so I, I started <coughs> started fighting started you know pursuing girls started mm-hmm. smoking weed because I needed to feel good and then it wasn't until I was 21 again sleeping on that riverbank the next day i went to a church to see before the homeless shelter i went to a church to see if they had a place that i could sleep 
And the pastor said no, but he said, but when I was out there pouring you a drink of lemonade, uh, he, he said, God gave me a word about you. He said that you've been in a situation like this before, and he, he wants to do something new. So go take this Bible, go figure out what God wants to do. And that was two days before I hit on that mighty bike trip. Mm-hmm. So I ended up in community and plugged into a church after the whole bike trip and moved up here to start a church all within five years after that first bike trip. But I was putting myself ahead of it, and I was and I was trying to dictate who God was based on hmm. what I could manage or who I could elevate to be in the church system. So it wasn't until he stripped it all away, losing my career at Fred Meyer, losing my job at the airport, losing my housing, and then I was on the road again. Then he could teach me, remind me, refresh my spirit, what it's like to be his creation to delight in him to go where he wants me to go and have nothing else like tell me what i am mm-hmm. and so now being being down settled down in community again i just can't be bothered with like other people's like worries about me is he christian enough to, is it okay if he does this because they're all like they're like little kids too man they're just yeah. trying to find their way so mm-hmm. i don't take it personally anymore now it's just me and god I'm well, trying to, I mean, not just us, but... Yeah, but I, I, but, but you should be, like, are you Christian? You should be, like, wherever you feel like you need to be enough. You know what I mean? Like, you should be, like, like, it doesn't, like, <clears throat> I'm not religious, but I'm not judging you. I understand. I understand how it helps people, and I understand the, the thinking and stuff. I understand all of that. Um, <clears throat> but you... You should, it's not, for me, it shouldn't be about being Christian enough. It should be about what, being enough for you, like, and what it does for you to help you get through, you know what I mean? Or to to help you with your battle. Is is, is that what I, is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that maybe that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Are you going to be, um. This gonna be a video, a YouTube video, or is this gonna live as a podcast episode? Just a podcast episode. Nice. I haven't, I haven't done like videos yet. Um, well, then, the last thing I really want to say is yeah. check out my website. Like, as soon as we're done with this, I'm gonna get working with my manager on yeah on kind of creating a a good click through experience. So opalheights.com. Awesome. Where I'm doing everything now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you should. We should. De- you should definitely come on again. I feel like we have more to, that we can talk about. Um, yeah. All right. All right, Caleb. Is there anything? Anything else you would like to say? Make sure you name it something interesting. Put I, the word "weed" in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I have to go through it and think about that. <laughs> okay. No. No. It's great. I, I'm happy to be a part of your listener. Your listening pool. Yeah. Everybody listening. I say hi. Come follow me, and I'll see you guys soon. Yes. All right. Bye, Caleb. Be well, buddy. All right. All right. Uh, you got to just uh, unrecord it real quick so I can. Um, I just wanted to follow.